Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. The following broadcast has been approved for Elite Hornets fans. What a block by Cody Zeller. Walker down the lane, drive, shoots, scores! Game over! Bringing back the buzz is only the beginning. We will not go quietly into the night. It's Hornets talk for the hardcore fan. It's Hive Talk Live. Welcome in, Hornets fans. This is Locked on Hornets, presented by Hive Talk Live. It's Hornets talk for the hardcore fan. I'm Doug Branson, joined by a man who has the same initials as the new Miami Heat big signing, David Walker. David, how are you? Also, the guy that just left. That's right. (laughs) Both. You didn't see that one. They replaced a DW with a DW. We've had the DW all along. So welcome, David. We're also joined for the first time since our Season 4 launch here on the Locked On Podcast Network from ESPN 730, Justin Thomas. Justin, how are you? I'm doing good. You know, I'm I'm in some AC. I'm not sweating, so there are all smiles on my end, all smiles. All smiles, good to hear. We're spending the rest of July recapping the Hornets offseason. In fact, this is Part 3, the final part of our free agency recap. We'll be talking about the additions the Hornets made to the team. We'll also get to a few news and notes uh, from around the Hornets sphere, and we'll talk about this statement that Michael Jordan released on the undefeated. We're returning live this fall exclusively on our YouTube channel. You can watch us and chat with us live on Tuesdays and Thursdays. We are working hard to get that ready, testing everything, making sure it's good to go. Go to YouTube, search Hive Talk Live, subscribe, and follow us on Twitter at Hive Talk Live for more information. You can email your thoughts and your questions to buzzbuzz at hivetalklive.com. If you have a business or product that you'd like to advertise on the show, email us for more information. Again, that email, buzzbuzz at hivetalklive.com. As I said, our lead topic, free agency recap part three, the player's Gentlemen that the Hornets have uh, added to the team, Marco Bellinelli, Roy Hibbert, Ramon Sessions, Brian Roberts, a few faces that we don't know, a few faces that Hornets fans are already familiar with in Sessions and Roberts. But I think we should start the conversation with the, the strategy that the Hornets are, in my mind, they're continuing by adding these four players. They are once again taking chances on a few players off of down years in, in Marco Bellinelli and Roy Hibbert. Your, your thoughts on continuing to roll the dice on these guys off of bad years? I think it's smart. I mean, it's worked for them in the past, as you mentioned, Doug, and especially I've been keen on the Bellinelli uh, acquisition just in and of itself because of where he came from in that down year in Sacramento. I'm a true believer in that it's really hard to tell uh, much about anyone's success when they're playing in that sort of, of situation. I mean, DeMarcus Cousins may be the best center on the planet, and he even is having struggles. Now, you know, those could be for some other reasons. But look at Bellinelli, Doug. You know, career lows in three-point percentage almost got down into, you know, below 30%. 
uh, from the three point line and had never been had never been that low uh, of a three point shooter. So to me, I like that signing. Um, you know, you can go back and forth on whether you'd rather have a draft pick or 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 what were the other options, but. They liked him last offseason. They tried to acquire him, and now they're just adding him back in to bring in, keep or try and keep up the three point shooting. So I was a fan of that one. What about Roy Hibbert? What about Roy Hibbert, Justin? A guy played for the Lakers last season, did not have a great year. Uh, what is a two time All Star, but did not display uh, the the same talent and extraordinary ability that got him those two All Star nods in Indiana in Los Angeles. How do you feel about the Roy Hibbert signing and Charlotte in general taking uh, more chances on guys off of down years? There, there's something about getting guys off of down years because you know anything about professional athletes, they're very prideful guys. So coming off of, uh, off a of bad year, you can get guys in the gym and say, hey, do you do you remember you know what, you are, what you're capable of and, and how well of a player you are? And, and you come to Charlotte – and play for a coach like Clifford, Clifford's going to get the best out of you. If there's anything good, and Clifford's going to get it out of you. And I think it's great. There was nothing sexy about um, this offseason. Like, you know, you have the Knicks adding names and Boston going out and adding Horford and Indiana making a lot of moves. And, and it's, it's really easy to think of, you know, forget about the Hornets. You know, there, there's like really nothing sexy about it. You say they brought in Marco Bellinelli, Roy Hibbert, and Ramon Sessions. Oh, boy, there's a lot of reason to be excited. excited. But I, I think it, I think all of them are quality signs, every single one. I think the Hornets are going to be just as good because of this offseason. And, and something about these guys, I feel like there's, there's a culture. These guys are, are going to come in, and there's, there's going to come in and play basketball. They, Bellinelli, Hibbert, Sessions, all quality. And I love Sessions. When Sessions was here as a backup, I thought he was phenomenal. And for him to come back, you lose Jeremy Lin. That is nice. Hibbert's a big body. Clifford loves big, long guys. He'll definitely get some time with Patrick Ewing and that Georgetown ties. And he's just going to be ready to work. He's going to be ready to work. Jeremy Lin came in and was great. Marvin had that down his first year, and look what he did last year. So I think you can always get that from guys. Guys, when they have bad years, they come over motivated, they're ready to play, and I think you'll get the same effort from these guys this year as you got last year. Yeah, I, I think some fans were disappointed in, in the acquisitions in the sense that they aren't sexy because right. this was a this was a free agency period with a lot of money to throw around and a lot of guys available, and and the Hornets were were really focused on keeping their own core as opposed to going out and making the you know quote unquote sexy signing. Uh, the only thing that worries me when I look at this list of players, and I, I want to get into Ramon Sessions and Brian Roberts as well, when I look at these four names, I said from the jump that the Hornets needed to get more athletic. They they had a lot of skill players, but I, I felt like Miami was able to out-athlete the Hornets in that, in that uh, playoff series. And when I look at Marco Bellinelli, Roy Hibbert, uh, uh, Ramon Sessions, and Brian Roberts, really apart from Ramon Sessions, it doesn't scream – you know, high quality, athletic, jump you out of the gym, race you down the court type of players. They're more relying on on their particular skill set. So that's that's what worries me. I don't know if you're concerned about that, David. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that plays into the sexy factor a little bit, I think. And I think your best chance of getting a guy like that. We've what? said, by the way, we've said the word sexy a lot already. <laughs> I just want to say the sexy count is is high right it's now. Up. Well, it's a very colorful word. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> but uh, but you know, I think that um, the market was thin on the wings, right? I mean, Batum was the number two guy, and so I think in the draft you probably had your best chance of adding some of that athleticism, and they chose to go the trade route. So, uh, given their track track record um, drafting, I think you, you're okay with that, and we'll just have to see how that plays out. But yeah, I mean, that's the concern. I think you're right, Doug, because that's you know you you tend to look at who's playing in these playoffs and what they have and that was an area of concern but again you're getting back mkg and you did retain batum so there's some athleticism yeah if mk that's that's a great point david if mkg is able to stay on the court and that's a big if but if he is able to then that adds an element of athleticism that they were missing all season and you look back to those seven games that he played justin and it made just having his athleticism his ability to get into transition and defend transition those kind of things made a big difference. Oh, big difference. I, and you know, one thing is, is he's he's back. He's a he's from this area. I'm from from Myrtle Beach, and and to get here it was he he just looked refreshed. Um, now, granted, you know, I've always had my had my love for for Steve Blake. Sadly, there is no Steve Blake here. But I'll, I'll take sessions. I'll, I'll take sessions. And I think you you have to bring in a quality. Backup. The one of the reasons why the Hornets were so good was with Jeremy Lin. He came in and played quality minutes as the backup. Because now, if your guard play is weak, you're weak. So I think it's more of a okay. We have some veterans on the team. We're good. We want to keep going. We don't necessarily want to get younger, but we we have a few young players. We like our mix of, of older and younger guys. So now we're here. We won 48 games. We lost in Game Seven. We're trying to stay right here. We're not trying to go down. We're trying to stay right here. You say, okay, well, let's not go get a younger guard. We've had sessions here before. He knows what we're expecting from him, and we think he can come in and keep the ball rolling. And Doug, I love it. Uh, sorry, Justin. One, one other thing. I mean, you look at the starting five, right? You go Kemba, MKG, Batum, Marvin, and then Zeller at the center. I mean, that's a that's a fairly athletic, if not overly um, physical, opposing wise starting five right i think the bench is where you're probably going to have a major drop off in the athleticism and they're going to ask and that way it wouldn't worry me if the bench were not so important to the hornet success early on yeah. last season last year was huge so we continue to bring up jeremy lamb on this program i think the closer we get to the season there's going to be more eyes on him just to see what he can do athleticism is is something that he does possess so that's another area where they're going to ask him he's to step a high up. flyer a rim rocker but I want to I want to go back to Ramon Sessions the, the, and Brian Roberts. The Hornets relying on familiar faces, guys that know and love their system that fit their locker room. With Brian Roberts, it's low risk because he's a third point guard. Probably won't see him play a lot barring injury. But they are making a big bet that Ramon Sessions still is capable of scoring 15 to 20 on a given night every once in a while and can replace a little bit of what they lost with Jeremy Lin. Now, Sessions, prototypical journeyman. He's played for seven teams over the past 10 years. He was the only wizard to play all 82 games last season, David. So, when you, yeah, hey, listen, durability, you can't discount it in the NBA. And certainly Hornets fans won't discount a guy that can stay on the court for 82 games. They can use uh, the durability. Ramon also stepped in for the last five games when the Wizards shut John Wall down. In those five games, fellas, he averaged 17.6 points, 9.6 assists, and uh, 32.1 minutes per game in those starts. 
So, I mean, he was able to average 17 points a game over five games. He, he shot 55% from the floor, 46% from three-point range, and that's what you want out of your backup guard it is, is somebody who can get on a streak, can play well over a few games if necessary, and hopefully Ramon is able to to replicate that success again uh, in in 2016-17. Yeah, he's not going to give you the highest of the highs that that Lynn did, right? He's not going to go on those outbursts. He'll, he'll at least get, not he'll as get much. To, he'll get to the rim with that's, the same that's success. That's what I was going to say. That's how, he had so much success here the first time penetrating and, and getting to the rim. Um, but when they lost Lynn, I mean, we got to face it, guys. That was a big blow because that was a yep. that was a lot of success for this team last year. But he's versatile when he gets to the rim, Jeremy Lynn. Whereas yep. Ramon is really looking to score. And I remember when he when he played for the Bobcats, he had that good Ramon, bad yeah. Ramon kind of deal where where there were certain stretches of the game you went, oh my god, why? He was why just, like, just Shimon, pass? Ramon, Shimon, Ramon, yeah. pass the ball. <laughs> and so yeah, those things will tend to happen with Ramon sessions. Uh, Justin, uh, what what else are you seeing in Ramon Sessions' game that either excites you or worries you in terms of him being the back, not only backup point guard, but all, I mean he's going to be looked to off the bench for scoring. Uh, we we saw the um, I remember when Batum was here and, and he was speaking on uh, being being excited about you, you know being the main option of, of being the guy because you know he wasn't he didn't have that option. So sessions understand. Okay, Jeremy Lin was was phenomenal last year. I mean, I, we have Donnell, we have Hibbert, we have some guys. But now this is the time for me. Yes, I'm the backup point guard. You know, my job is, is to come in and leave time for for Timber, But also, I'm gonna be able to score buckets, and Ramon can do it. You know, you would like to see it more consistently, but he can do it. So now I, I think it's really good. I like his size a lot. At, at six three, because you know, Charlotte has had a little guard. Sometimes, you know, little guards, they're not as versatile, you know, when it comes to defensive end. But I'll say that I think Sessions is going to be sharp, man. I, I, I think he's going to be sharp. When I saw him come back, I was like, home run. I was like, nobody's going to think of Because, you know, you got Jeremy Lynn, you're like, oh, I mean, one, he's a name and he's a quality basketball player. But Sessions, I think Sessions understands, hey, there's, there's expectation. Like, yes, I'm a good guard. People know what I can do. But they're going to say, hey, Ramon, you know, um, I'm gonna, we're going to need you to put some buckets in there. Put some buckets up for us, and I, I think he's gonna be ready to do that. He's back at home. There's, people, guys like to be at home. You know, he's thirty. He's like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm hopefully gonna be here for for a while. So I think he's gonna come in and push shots. I think he's gonna be a quality backup. You know, it is gonna be interesting now. This team has changed quite a bit since he was last here, so it's a little bit different flow, a little different offensive uh, mindset than the last time he was here. I mean, he shot a twenty-two percent from three the last time he was in Charlotte, but. You know, over the last couple of years, was up around forty, just a little bit over thirty-two percent. Ironically enough, you know where else he shot twenty-two percent? Uh, where? In Sacramento. Pop, Papa shot in Sacramento. Know. In Sacramento. <laughs> well, uh, I'm yeah. hoping you wouldn't go say the so, word. <laughs> again, talk about creating pipelines. Um, so uh, he's shot a similar three-point percentage as Jeremy Lin last season, but Jeremy Lin shot a higher volume. And Ramon shot about 19% of his field goals from beyond the arc. You compare that to 30-plus for Jeremy Lin last season with the Hornets. And you wonder if Ramon Sessions will be asked to do more from beyond the arc, extend his range out a little bit. I mean, he had success in those last five games for the Wizards. It seems like he's capable of it in stretches. 
we could I think we definitely could see Ramon try to stretch it out a little bit because that when you look at that bench unit they're they're going to need shooting because more shooting left than than came back in yeah and that's how they play now right I mean mm-hmm. they're asking those guys to take uh to at least make uh, those open shots when they're presented so he's gonna have to at least take them at least to start I mean that's going to be the expectation I'm sure the only guy that shot away from it is Cody Zeller right so I mean that's I the only one yeah we'll, we'll revisit that again this year I guess but yeah they're gonna have, he's gonna be a part of that offense he's gonna shoot threes let's take a couple of uh, listener questions that we got on Twitter uh first do you see Roy Hibbert playing 20 plus minutes per game is he going to get that significant a role off the bench David mm, I don't know Justin you got an indication on that one you got a feeling there oh I if he all right we all right I can say this I think he'll initially be a uh 12s or probably 16 but now if, if he's producing because you know if you produce you're gonna play but 20 and, and he's a he's a bigger guy yeah? 20 I mean he doesn't have to be balling to get 20 minutes a night I, I I really think he's more of a 12 to 16 guy but if, if he gets north of 20 then that means he's doing something right so he's gonna have to be scoring it just for 20 minutes a night and I don't it could I think it could happen but I don't think it will I, I, I 20 minutes that's a stretch yeah I mean uh Al Jefferson played 23 minutes per game uh last year and so I think you're right. Certainly, the beginning they're going to have to figure out a way, but that's going to be on the high side uh, in, in my eyes. I mean, it's just not not the way, not the area, not the sorry, not the direction the team is going offensively, especially. Yeah, I think early on definitely will not play 20 plus minutes because they have some depth uh, in the in the back court, or excuse me, in the front court, and so unless there's a trade with Spencer Hawes. I, I don't see him playing yep. 20 plus minutes early on. But if he redevelops his offensive game, that can make up for some of his uh, uh, some of the things that he lacks defensively with his foot speed because he's, he's he got beat on a lot of pick and rolls last season, and and so you just you know you can't play him against smaller lineups because he can't extend his defense out. I mean, he again, I said it on on a previous show. If you think you if you were frustrated by Al Jefferson sagging back, just wait till you get a load of Roy Hibbert. He does <laughs> oh, not yeah. he does not like to play defense anywhere near the the three-point line because he's slow. And, and so, you know, can they it's going to be interesting to see who they let filter in from the starting lineup with Roy Hibbert to account for those uh deficiencies on defense, but I think could he play twenty plus minutes if Spencer Hall if they find a deal to 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 get rid of Spencer Hawes or you know if Frank doesn't develop like they hope Frank does right then you can definitely see Roy Hibbert because he can you know he has shown in the past to be an impact player. Well, that's the thing I was just going to say. I mean, it's almost hard to remember now how good he was in Indiana before he seemingly just fell off. You know, I mean, it, it just disappeared. So. Uh, the talent's there, and I think you guys hit on it earlier, a reclamation project like this, and with guys like uh, Patrick Ewing and Steve Clifford, I mean, they're developing a bit of a reputation uh, over the past three years of, of helping guys get back to that, to that to that good level. And you guys mentioned it the other night, uh, Doug, that Charlotte is seen as a place that, that fosters that now. And, and he was a free agent, so he could have gone – 
you know, assume I'm assuming other places and chose to came here. So he's going to have something to prove, as Justin said. And I think that's the main thing you got to look for if you're a Hornets fan early on. Not exactly how many minutes he's going to play, but just what he's giving you while he's in there. All right, lightning round with the rest of these. By the way, that question from Garrett. Thank you, Garrett. This next question from Matt. Matt asks, do you see Christian Wood getting any minutes this year, or do you strictly see him as a D-League project, David? Uh, Greensboro. Greensboro uh, for David. How about you, Justin? Uh, Christian Wood. I follow. D-League. Okay, yeah, I, I think but so. But I like it. No, I like you, you love the signing because, again, and that's why you like them having the Greensboro Swarm because it gives them the ability to try to find these diamonds in the rough uh, like Miami has been doing year after year. It yeah. gives them that opportunity. And you never know. I mean, hey, injuries happen, but uh, certainly starting off. All right, next question from Marcus. Are they going to continue to play a nine-man rotation, or does the addition of Bellinelli mean Lamb plays the three in a ten-man now? I, I, I mean, I, th- I think early on they're going, because there was so much turnover in this roster, at least early on, you're going to see 10-11 man yeah. the same as last season. It That's didn't develop point. into a nine-man rotation until after the All-Star break. So prepare for until February – this team is going to be trying to find it's part of the challenge of this new season is that while they did maintain some consistency by re-signing Nick Batum and Marvin Williams basically everything else changed mm-hmm. and now you've got to find those play Clifford always talks about those playing groups now they've got to refine those playing groups yep that's a good point uh, they're gonna have to figure some things out for sure and it took and Clifford mentioned this I don't know how many times it it took them a long time to get to their playing groups. I mean, they, they experimented. I mean, there's injury, of course, but they experimented with multiple playing groups. They didn't get that so deep deep into the regular season, almost right before the playoffs. So they're, they're going to play around with some guys and figure out who plays well together, what works. And I think the, the easiest thing that – well, I wouldn't say that. Yeah, I guess you say the easiest thing about trying to put, put together your playing your playing groups is if you have health. So if guys can stay healthy, that will go a long way into establishing these player groups because yeah. the playing group struggled last year with, you know, have to bring in guys and losing guys to injuries. So if guys can be healthy, I think they'll be able to get to their playing groups and figure out how many they're going to play. Well, again, you have to you have to allow a few months for someone to step up in that bench unit because there has been so much turnover. You've got to figure out who's going to be the leader of that bench unit once again. So, yeah, I, th- I think there will be a-, a month or two, certainly, a lot of turnover, a lot of different uh, playing groups. It makes it interesting to talk about. We'll have a lot to talk about. All right, let's move on to a few news and notes. Hornets signed seven-foot center Mike Toby, a four-year player out of the University of Virginia. He averaged 6.8 points, four rebounds in 16.3 minutes per game over his college career. He played for the Hornets Orlando Summer League summer league team, averaging 10.6.8 rebounds, 1.6 blocks. Woo! and one steal in 20.8 minutes per game. He also led the entire summer league in offensive rebounds per 40 minutes at 6.9. Guys, he's a glass cleaner. Julian Applebaum of DraftExpress.com named him the second best performer at Orlando Summer League. Your thoughts, Mike Toby uh, with uh, the Hornets now. Probably a training camp invite, uh, details of the deal not disclosed, but uh, you know you expect him to be an asset for this new D-League team. Yeah, what was the area that they were lacking in the most during that playoff run was rebounding. Rebounding. I mean, they could not get a rebound. And this guy, 
is a solid offensive rebounder as you pointed out doug i used to hate him at virginia so that's usually a good sign because i'm not a virginia fan so he didn't average a lot of minutes but, <laughs> no, but he was he an integral part yeah. of of tony bennett's system he ate up, he ate it, ate it up off the glass so um that's a you know it's an intriguing pick a big guy who may be able to come in there and produce yeah, Justin, great size, great rebounder. This could be uh, this could be uh, an asset for the Hornets, or at least the the Greensboro Swarm. There's there's two things that that Clifford loves: length and rebounding. If you can do those two things, there is an opportunity for you. So he'll he'll get to go to training camp. He'll he'll get to bang around, and I can figure out what they're going to do. More than likely, I feel like he's going to go up the street in Greensboro. But when when you're 17, you can rebound. Yeah, you know there there are things that you can be excited about and, and some opportunities. So I definitely think he'll get some opportunities because um, you know guys are never going to be able to stay healthy. Um, but I definitely think this is one that you can store him in, in Greensboro and hopefully call him up every now and then and see what he can do and and kind of monitor him because he's big and he can rebound and people love that. So well, that is always going to be something. Yeah, length and rebounding two things that you associate with Christian Wood as well. So it's clear they are trying to find a project, take some gambles on somebody who is athletic, has a nose for the basketball in terms of rebounding, and, and has good size. And we'll see who wins that. I, I I, honestly, here's a bold statement. I honestly think someone gets called up from the Greensboro Swarm this year and plays a factor in the post-All-Star Hornets. That's my bold, that's my bold take. Well, yeah. Because they're, they're searching for something. They're, that, when you have a couple of guys – that mirror one another in skill sets that that get sent to Greensboro. It's obvious that they're looking for something that they don't currently have. So that's yeah. that's my bold to just put put that put that in the hat. Well, as many times Store as Aaron Harrison went up and down last year, I mean they're <laughs> they're used to that. So now they've got their own team. All right. Speaking of the D League, the Greensboro Swarm officially announced their head coaching hire. Noel Gillespie joins the squad. He's been around the NBA for more than 14 years, spending the last three with the Denver Nuggets as an assistant. He was with the Phoenix Suns for a decade before that. Congrats to Coach Gillespie, and you can read more about him on AtTheHive.com. Now for our top news around the NBA, and it also involves the Hornets, specifically Hornets owner Michael Jordan. Jordan releasing a statement to ESPN's Undefeated titled, I can no longer be silent, his statement on the shootings of African Americans and the targeting of police officers. In it, Jordan writes, We need to find solutions that ensure people of color receive fair and equal treatment and that police officers who put their lives on the line every day to protect us all are respected and supported. The statement also announced Jordan will be giving $1 million to the International Association of Chiefs of Police, their newly established Institute for Community Police Relations, and $1 million to the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. Justin, are you surprised that Michael Jordan not only released this statement, but also put his money where his press release is? Not shocked at all. It's it's a, it's, it's a proud day. You're not really shocked? You're not, no, okay, I'm, maybe I'm not, not shocked. You're not a little bit surprised? Um, I don't think so. Uh, I think the, the first time I, I heard Jordan actually just come forth or released any form of statement was going on with the Donald Sterling. So when he spoke on that, it was like, okay, Jordan never spoke. Like that was just Jordan hooped, and that was it. He was never one of these one of these guys that we have like LeBron or way that that takes a stand and and really speaks out against things. Jordan, Jordan was never that guy. So seeing he he took a, a step with Donald Sterling, and now this is 
is is a really good sign because I mean, for a long time, is is I've been buying Jordans for years, um, for years, and there are always people say, Justin, you still have money on these Jordans, and and, and what is Jordan? What has he done for his people? What has he done? And, and there's always been like this form of, of disconnection that people feel like, yeah, we love his shoes, but but Jordan don't really care about us. And, and a lot of people still feel that way. Um, I I had a girl tweet me today. Um, well, she actually tweeted and I responded to it. She said, "Oh, I never expected to wake up and hear that Michael Jordan is now finally starting to care about black people." And I and I was like, "Finally starting to care." Jordan has has done a, a lot of good things for minorities in his own workplaces, but he's never been a big vocal guy. So for him to come out and and to release this statement, it's like, wow, okay, we've been wanting Jordan to do this for years, and now he, he's actually coming out and he's having a voice. And I, I think a lot of people respect that because you, you just want some form of a relatability to, to somebody that you idolize. You want them to know that that you're human also. Like a lot of things people didn't like about OJ was, like OJ was just great athlete, but he didn't really associate with the African American community. He was he was OJ. So this is like okay, Jordan, you're a black man. Could could you help, could you stand up for us right now? This is this is a tough time. Um, I was speaking to a guy about two weeks ago, and he actually was like, you know, we're talking about all the injustice and the things that's going on right now and all types of stuff. And he says, you know, man, I, I wish this I wish this guy Michael Jordan would would step up. He have all this money and 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 everybody loves this man. But and, and we need a voice and. Two and a half weeks later, um, he comes out, and you know it, it wasn't he had never been a big vocal guy, but for him to come out now, um, it's nice because you can't always please people. You know, people are gonna say, "Oh, this and that," and and, and Jordan takes a beat. Oh yeah, he was the same guy that said Republicans wear sneakers too, which is a quote that nobody even knows if that really was even said. So this this was nice. Um, Jordan Jordan has been taking steps as an owner, and I, I think this is one that was. That was that was really nice for him to come up and, and actually be vocal and take a stand on something. So David Justin mentioned the Donald Sterling incident, Michael Jordan speaking out against that. He also uh, spoke out uh, against discrimination when it, ca- it came to House Bill Two and this uh, situation surrounding the Hornets in the All Star Game, a- and now he releases this statement. I think that some of the criticism of Michael Jordan is certainly fair. Uh, because when he was at the top of his game you know, in the 90s, he was not, maybe he was quietly doing certain things, but you expect, maybe fairly or unfairly, you expect public people to be public. And and again, Justin mentioned the Republicans buy sneakers too. This was a, uh, a secondhand quote associated to Michael Jordan from Sam Smith's book, Second Coming, Jordan's reps have always denied that he said it. Sam Smith has said it was a joke. But, David, there's truth in jest, regardless of whether or not he ever really said those particular words. His reputation in the 90s and his inaction at that time spoke loud and clear. But now that he's an owner, he is, again, in a position of prominence, in a position of power. He's speaking loudly and clearly in this instance. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you guys bring up a good point about that quote. And, you know, if he didn't say it, I think, you know, the actions um, or, or, or or maybe things that he didn't do or didn't step forward, I mean, the kind of the, 
the meaning around that quote probably still applies to him, right? I mean, he, he hasn't been overly vocal. He hasn't been overly involved. But as Justin uh, mentioned, you know, he's done a lot of stuff behind the scenes, a lot of stuff with this organization, uh, promoting African-Americans up through the ranks to where they're not on in other teams. So, I mean, he's done it in his own way. And it's never going to be enough for for some of the folks out there. You know, there are people tweeting only two million dollars. I mean, he's worth a billion, <laughs> which you know, I mean, what he's given. But again, he he quietly gives. Right. He, he he's given a ton to communities in Chicago, and and I think I'm a very I'm a little bit of a private person, so I respect anyone's uh, right to be a private person. Yeah. But you have to understand that there is this expectation for public figures to be public sure and at least now he's choosing to be a little bit more public and you know you look at the title of this and it's i can no longer be silent which is right. sort of a recognition that he has been silent and in the, the thing past. is people are calling out for him right they're calling uh, he, he was there was something written last weekend about it's time for him to step forward and he steps forward but it's not in the exact way that that some people would want it so i think we do that a lot right we ask our athletes to be honest we ask them to tell us how they feel tell us their feelings and when and then when we when they do we don't want to hear it or well, they didn't say it in the right way well that's a great point david and i want to get your thoughts on this justin he's decided not only to speak out but speak out to both sides of this issue an issue that has really polarized a lot of of the american public uh he did take action but he he's trying to build bridges instead of furthering that divide but some are accusing him already of trying to both sides this issue that the statement wasn't bold enough justin do you have a problem with him addressing both the shooting of police by african americans and the shooting of police officers in this statement hi you, you, you're never going to be able to please everybody. Somebody is always going to find something to nitpick at. And let's, and, and you, let's be real. If, if, if there's an intruder at your house in the middle of the night, who are you going to call? You're going to call 911. I need to get the police. Yes, there have been a lot of injustice. And, and to be honest, I'm even shaking on the cops. I don't even want to get pulled over for anything. But we still need them. And these guys put their lives on the line every day. And you want you, you want to bridge that. What, another thing of even Jordan, um, the game and Snoop Dogg have been doing a lot of things in L.A. over the past few weeks of, of meeting with the police commissioner saying, hey, I mean, let's let's try to come together here and, and, and bridge some gaps and, and let's try to work on this relationship. So, you, like, you you have to do that. We need policemen, whether, you know, they're good ones, they're bad ones, we need them. Like, they're, they're a lot of despite a lot of the negative things, there's still good cops. There are a lot of good cops. And, of course, you never hear about the good cops. Like, that's just not going to happen. And I, I thought that was really nice because we're going to need cops and, and we need to work on, on that on that gap. Um, and I think that was the right thing to do. But, you know, you, there's always going to be people that's not, oh, there's always going to be somebody that's going to complain in whatever situation. But, you know, there's some hand claps for uh, Mr. Jordan on my end. He, he did the right thing. Yeah, and I think it's interesting. If you And I would encourage everybody to go read that Statement. Don't read the headline, read, read the actual read statement. The statement because he really personalizes it in mm-hmm. that writing and says, mm-hmm. "Hey, look, you know, my experience hasn't necessarily been the same as as every other every other African American father's murder experience, right? And he's had the police who have, you know, come out right, and, and probably protected him and his family mm-hmm. at various times. So he has had a different experience, not to say that he hasn't, you know, experienced racism or or struggles or anything like that. But it is a very different viewpoint than 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 I guess maybe some people would like him to come out and say I'm on this side. And it's also that notice of or that notion that you, 
if you're on this side, well, you can't be on this side. I mean, uh, the Daily Show, they did a good job of explaining that a couple weeks ago. It's like we're at this point right now, and I think you mentioned this, Doug. Very polarized. Yeah. There are a lot of bold statements, and you have to be true to yourself. You know, Jordan has not been an activist a political activist for his entire public life. Right. We've, we've we've spoken about that. So, so I don't know if it would ring true. If he came out if and gave came, a stump speech, people yeah. would say, well, it's not real. It's not authentic, right? And I'm not even sure that this particular political discourse needed another bold statement. I feel like we we have plenty of those from from both from a lot of organizations from Black Lives Matter and and from you know, these these people that say blue lives matter there's a lot of there's a, a polar uh, a division right now within the discourse and there's not a lot of bridge building happening and and i think that those you need the polar views as well as the 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 bridge building i think you need people who take strong authoritative stands and fight for injustice and you need people to come in and say, let's let's make some peace, let's compromise, let's find Everything's ways. Everything's not broken, to, so we can't fix it. Right. I mean, you it, do. I, you know. So I think Jor- I think Michael Jordan, from his position, is speaking to his own uh, experience and, and playing a, a vital role. And I tell you, I I have been frustrated, upset, angry, confused by all of the violence that I've seen on on television over the past few weeks, both. Uh, nationally and internationally and we've got the conventions now and while those can be very entertaining they do really represent the the both ends of the of the political spectrum and and a a lot of the times the primaries and the conventions here in america represent the 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 polls they represent you know the the extremes and so honestly when i read this i just thought it was refreshing to, to have a public figure come out and say, you know, here's what I'm going to do to to be part of the solution. Right. That's what I got out of this is that I, I don't know. Yeah. he And I think even like when you read it, both in the text and the subtext, it sounds like he's obviously frustrated with everything that's gone on. And, and like all of us, we don't know that there is yeah. one solution, yeah. but he's trying to be part of the solution. Right, and, and I that, think that's yeah. admirable. And that's the the knock, you know, the, 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 the trying to tear down of the of the of the um, of the action. I mean, that's where it's frustrating, I guess. If you're looking at saying, yeah, he's trying to do something here. He's trying to, you know, like you said, be a part of the solution. So instead of nitpicking, maybe maybe you say, hey, good job. Now, I guess some people have a problem with over celebrating it or calling it some massive stand. And it's if you like I said, if you go back and read it, it's not framed that way, right? I mean, he's not framing. Well, it. I mean, t- well, it's it's not a, a massive stand, but it is two million dollars. That's true. That's a you know, people want to scoff at that, right? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's it's a million dollars. That's and a million dollars. Like that's a lot of a lot of money, and and money can can and can do a lot of things. And I thought it was it was interesting that he gives it to two different organizations, one that's trying to foster yeah. communication between police and the communities that they serve in, and one to the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, which is solely uh, representing minorities in in a variety of, of discriminatory cases. Can I say, can I say one quick thing? Justin, you can say anything that you'd uh, like, sir. Okay, so I was watching I was watching the news um, like a few weeks ago when all the, the heckiness was going on. And they were talking to a guy that said they, they knew a guy that said he wanted to be a police officer. And he said now he's probably not going to be a police officer. 
And for Jordan to donate some money to the belief shows that, hey, there, yes, there have been a lot of things that have been going on, but we still need you guys. Like, there still needs to be that, 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 that bridge building that you were speaking of. There, they need some confidence also, because now it's not easy being a cop. It, the, right now, it is not easy being a cop. So when you give the money to NAACP, it's like, okay, you're helping your people also. And also, hey, we still need you guys. You guys are still very important. Yes, this is a dark time for you guys, and we don't want everybody to beat on you. Like, we, we still need you guys. So when you donate that million to cops, it, there's somebody today that, that's contemplating either being a cop or getting out of the force. And then you read this and say, okay, you know, there, there's still some people that, that support us. And, and to see it come from a black guy, because the injustices are coming directly towards us. So when you see a black man give money to the cops, that says, uh, that that gives them a boost of confidence to say, hey, we're going to be able to get through this. Things are going to get better. And I thought that was really nice to do something on both sides. Yeah, I know. I, to- I totally agree, Justin. And I think, again, there is a role for... How do I put this? There's a there's a role for being very tough on the, the policing in America. There, there's a role for challenging or holding uh, them to a standard, holding them accountable and challenging that authority in, in the way that that authority is used towards minorities. And you have uh, celebrity voices and, and the Black Lives Matter movement doing that. There's a role for that. And there's I don't want to say militancy, but there's a role for uh, uh, being aggressive to find out what the root causes of this issue are, is in America. These issues are in America. But there's also a role for someone to come in and say, okay, once we do that, once we uncover that, how do we get to this next place? And, and yeah. the next place is through it, – it always has been through communication and bridge building and, and figuring out we all have to live together. And, and I think that that's the role – Michael Jordan is, through this statement, is not trying to play every role. He's just trying to play the role that he feels like from based on his experience and what he can do. That's the role he's trying to play. So I'm telling you, it did, the news we've got with the between the All Star game and this, it's been very. This has been a very deep show. But I feel like, uh, and we want to know your thoughts. That's the big thing. I want to know what the listeners are thinking. So please tweet us your thoughts at Hive Talk Live, and we want to. It's one of the big goals for season four is to get more of your voice on this show, your tweets, your emails to buzzbuzz at hivetalklive.com. And I'll end this segment with um, another quote from Jordan's article. He ends this this statement with, uh, we uh, quote, We are privileged to live in the world's greatest country, a country that has provided my family and me the greatest of opportunities. The problems we face did not happen overnight, and they won't be solved tomorrow. But if we all work together, we can foster greater understanding, positive change, and create a more peaceful world for ourselves, our children, our families, and our communities. So there you go. Mm. Well, better world, well, and hopefully, for our listeners' sake, a better Charlotte Hornets franchise in 2016 and 17. Segway <laughs> back to basketball. That, they, they could win some games. That would definitely uh, help out a lot of things. Great conversation, uh, fellas, and we will we will be back tomorrow uh, with uh, more on Marco Bellinelli and Roy Hibbert. I want to get into a little bit of a deep profile with uh, both of those gentlemen, so we'll have 
more information on, on those two new Hornets. Thanks for listening to Locked on Hornets presented by Hive Talk Live. Follow us on Twitter at Hive Talk Live. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And while you're there, give us a five-star review and help hardcore Hornets fans like yourself find this podcast. If you'd like to advertise with us, email buzzbuzz at Hive Talk Live. Hive Talk Live is a presentation of SB Nations at thehive.com. We're back again tomorrow and the rest of the week with more Hornets talk for the hardcore fan. For David and Justin, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte.